It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into a special edition of the Skinny Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and uh, a lot of news pertaining to UC, uh, both basketball and football, and maybe overall sports uh, over the last week or so. And thought it was a good time to catch up with Chad, as always, by the way. It's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, a new recruit, uh, kind of what John Brand has done with this recruiting class or this first group of players he's brought in to maybe some news pertaining to James Hudson and uh, news pertaining to UConn leaving the league. Let, let's start with the, the, the latest, and that is uh, the recruit, Zach Harvey. Um, certainly a highly regarded prospect, uh, had reclassified once to 2020, reclassified back to this year's class, so he's eligible to play right away. Very talented player, but, but does come with a little bit of baggage. Um, I thought UC did a great job, Chad, getting out in front of that with a, with a statement from, from Mike Bone, and people are going to uh, to take what they want out of this, but the kid does seem remorseful, and the kid does seem like he's, he's, he's owning it, and um, it, it seems like I think everybody's ready to move forward with it. What say you? Yeah, I think, you know, the situation as it presented itself when he came in for his official visit, they had him sit down and, and meet with people, decision makers at UC, and if he didn't present himself well, I don't think we'd be talking about it. I think it would have been one of those situations that kind of come and go and, and you never really get a resolution on. Uh, so I thought, you know, one of the other things as well, John Brandon has, has been familiar with Zach Harvey for a long time. There's a connection between him and, and Harvey and his family uh, that, that allowed John to be comfortable uh, and confident in, in knowing Zach Harvey's character and whether he felt like Harvey was a good fit or not. I think that's one of the things people should understand is this wasn't a matter of just seeing a kid that was available and, and jumping in uh, kind of blind, which we see happen regularly. It resulted in uh, the, the issue, one of the issues at Louisville when, you know, Rick Pitino jumped in on a kid that, that had some issues and, uh, didn't really know the whole history in the background. So I think that was a big part of it. I think Harvey, from everything I've heard, handled himself ex- exceptionally well when the hard questions were asked and the difficult questions were there. Uh, UC didn't shy away from it. They let the kid know you're going to be held to a higher standard. Fair or not, you're going to be under more scrutiny than anybody else on the roster because of the, because of what's happened in your past. And the kid was okay with it. So I think that says a lot about both sides and, and where things ended up. And, um, you know, for, for John Brandon and the program, you, you get a top 50 kid in, you've got to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, let's talk about what he does bring up, bring on the floor. I mean, this is a kid that I think was rated as high as 38th, I think, at, at one point in this class. Um, whether you got this guy back a, a year ago as a kid who committed to going into his senior year or you got him now, uh, you got what, what looks like a pretty good ball player. Yeah, I think the thing about Zach Harvey is he is not he's not elite at anything, but he's above average at pretty much everything. He's a good shooter, really good passer, good feel for the game, understands, you know, pace and space and how to play with the ball in his hand. Long. He's got a good first step. He's long. He can get to the rim. Um, so it, it's not, you know, he's not one of those guys that is going to come in and have a 43-inch vertical jump but he should be able to be a guy that comes in and impacts the game uh, in multiple ways with his ability to shoot the basketball and his ability to pass, which 
that's really the key of, of John Brandon's system. If you look at especially the numbers from NKU when he was there, they were always one of the highest assist teams in the country because they really – the emphasis is really on moving the ball, making the right pass, finding the open shooter, and then converting the shot. That's really the, the key to, to unlock John Brandon's offense. And Zach Harvey is an excellent passer, an exceptional passer. Might be his best quality. So uh, then you add his ability to score at all three levels. It, it gives you somebody offensively that, that really should be able to help you. He's a little thin, uh, but you get him here and you get him with Mike Rayfelt, and, and that instantly becomes pretty much not a concern. Yeah, I think I've seen him listed, what, 6'4", 6'5", and 185 pounds. So there's, there's obviously there's obviously some meat, meat can be put on the bones a little bit there. Yeah, and he might even – he's been dealing with an ankle injury for a while now that is probably still going to take a couple more weeks to recover. Um, but you can still get him in and get him started on the program with Rayfelt uh, before you get him onto the floor. And, yeah, 180 or so, I think generally, guys, that, that range, you like to see him up in that 195, 200-pound range just so they're able to handle, you know, the physical nature of high major college basketball. All right, so the, so the backcourt, though, has gotten kind of crowded, right? I mean, does that maybe yeah. change what John wants to do with maybe playing three guards at once and, and two of those guards could be six five apiece? Um, does it mean, again, that, that just adds to the depth of a guy who wants to play at a, at a fast pace and maybe you, you need that depth? But, uh, but there's no doubt. I mean, you brought the two point guards in. Jaron Cumberland comes back. Uh, Javen Cumberland comes in. This kid, Zach Harvey, it, it's gotten crowded pretty quickly, which – you know, a month and a half ago, or maybe even less than that, it felt like would UC have enough to put on the floor? Now they've, they've got enough guards that could fill the floor with guards. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got five wings, basically. You've got the, the two guards and uh, Chris McNeil and Mike Adams-Woods, and then the two Cumberlands, Keith Williams, Trevor Moore, Jeremiah Davenport, now Zach Harvey. Um, you wonder how much you'll even maybe see a point guard, three guards, and a big. Right. So essentially a four-guard offense. Right. Uh, because you just – you've got Mamadou Diara uh, and you've got Jay Soroya uh, as your big guys, as your fives. Are they going to play 40 minutes a game between right. those two? Yeah. Uh, probably not. Yeah. So now you, you see maybe Trayvon Scott at the five. You move and you get – maybe both Cumberlands and Keith Williams on the floor with one of the point guards. Yeah, and you're still functionally long enough to, to yeah. rebound. I mean, that's the other part. You know, you, you can look and go, well, that's only that's three, six, five guys and a, and a six, eight and a point guard. But the six, fives, especially with Williams and Cumberland, they're functionally big enough to go rebound the basketball. And you've also, if you go back to last year, we saw Jaron Cumberland defending because of the way that, that Cronin's system switched guys. We saw Jaron Cumberland defend players in the post. He might have been one of the top three post defenders in the American Conference because you're not moving him. Right, correct. <laughs> He's going to be able to hold his ground. You may be able to lob over top on occasion, and even that's not very easy to do. No. He's very he's very crafty as a defender and, and understanding, you know, where the ball is and, and how to knock it away and how to make plays. So in a system like that or a situation like that, yeah, I think you could go, you go with the traditional I – mean, but traditional basketball is, is kind of over as we know it. And especially, you know, Mick was a guy that, that really liked having two bigs on the floor. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the, 
the the situation going forward. I think it's going to be more of that, you know, more more progressive way that basketball has trended where there's a longer, more athletic guy that's not necessarily a big guy playing the floor or the four that can space the floor and, and you know, help you in that way. And if, if you've got, let's just say at one point in time, you've got both Cumberlands and Harvey spreading out a defense with a point guard and a big, you can be a pretty dangerous offense. No at question, that point and, and you and you saw them. Now, yeah, he did it by almost default at NKU because you're not going to get a right. true quality six ten, six eleven big guy. But that's kind of what they did at NKU as well. So he, it's something that John Brand is used to doing on top of. And it's just where basketball's at right now. Right. That's the way the game is trending, and now UC is trending in that direction as well. So that's that's the unknown that I think is going to be a lot of fun for fans is seeing how. John Brandon manages that and, and uses what he has uh, in his arsenal to his benefit as he goes through this first season with a roster that is really, really good on paper. Yeah, let, let's touch on that because, I mean, you know, four weeks or so ago, it felt like the sky was falling, and, and I, I kind of have joke where they have enough guys to, to put on the floor, and it's suddenly gone from that to uh, a roster full of players and a roster full of, of quality players. How – how was John Brandon able to do some of this? But Jaron Cumberland was out of his control, so that was one that kind of fell back in your lap. But some of these other things, I mean, they, they, they hit the ground running in recruiting, and I don't want to say salvage because that's not the fair word. I, they, they did more than salvage the class. They put together a, a pretty good group, it looked like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was pre-existing relationships that he used you know, in the recruiting world, uh, familiarity with guys. Obviously, Javen Cumberland and, and Jay Sororio were both in the Horizon League, uh, so very familiar with them, dating back a while. Jeremiah Davenport, John Brandon was the first coach he ever talked to when when Davenport was a molar and John was in NKU. Right. So, you know, he, he and like I mentioned, Zach Harvey, there's been a tie between John and, and Zach and his family for, you know, dating back for a while. So he really focused on the relationships that he already had and then was able to sprinkle in a couple other pieces, Chris McNeil, like we talked about it and Mike Adams Woods, who he was able to, you know, just say, Hey, look, like we lost our two point guards. So we don't have a point guard right now. So there's a chance for you. There's a chance for you to come in. You know, Chris McNeil's not going to play 40 minutes a game. So you've got a chance to come in here and earn some minutes and, and be a pretty important piece of what we're trying to do. Um, so I think he did a great job of, I think in part what it shows Skinny is how meticulous he is, how detail-oriented he is, and that when he got here, even though it didn't manifest right away like people wanted, there was a plan. Oh, I, obviously. I, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is, um, and, and I do this all the time in recruiting because people go crazy depending on what a guy's star rating is and all of those things. If, if, if you trust the coach, trust the coach. And I know right. John Brandon is new. Um, and I know he maybe not has not earned UC fans' trust yet. But if you trust the hire, then trust the coach. Trust the coach to do it. Um, you know, in, in Nick Cronin's case, maybe you didn't hear of some of those guys coming out of high school when they were three-star guys and not high-recruited guys. But you know what? He was recruiting to what he needed for his system to make it work. Trust the coach. That, that's the only thing I would leave you with. And if you're if you don't, I get it. And I find your coach is going to be a 10 and 20 coach and, and eventually will coach himself out. But for the most part, I think you trust the, trust the process. And 
I mean, I, I think John has done just a spectacular job. I, I was kind of in that vein of wondering, all right, how are you going to get enough to, to literally not put five on the floor, you know what I'm saying there, but, but have enough to, to compete. Um, they've done that and then some. Yeah, and what they've also done is they've started to address stability long-term because, you know, you brought in multiple grad transfers. You've got Jaron Cumberland and Trey Scott as seniors. You're going to be losing a pretty big chunk of your roster at the end of the season. But instead of going all in on that, now you also have Zach Harvey and Mike Adams-Woods and Jeremiah Davenport. And now you've got a freshman class when you mix with Prince Toyambi. Now you've got four guys that, that you get to go forward with as kind of the, the, the core that you're operating with going forward. And you've got Mike Saunders coming in, his 2020 point guard commit. So now the stability is starting to be there. So it wasn't just a short-sighted, we're going to fix the roster now. Now. It is, we fix the roster now with also an eye on what my program is going to look like going past year one, which I think that was just as important, if not more important, than stabilizing things for this year. Well, let's face it, that was arguably the harder of the two tests just because no, you were no in a calendar. That's, Imperial was almost, if you had told me he had gotten one guy who was a, who was a freshman, I'd have said, good for you, that, that's pretty good at this stage. You got you got a chunk of them, and that's and a, and a chunk of them that are kind of quality type players. It wasn't just a chunk just to get a chunk. They're guys who can play. So I'm I'm really stunned with what he's done. And if I was a UC fan, I'd be I'd be very happy with what he's been able to pull off. Right, not just for the short term, but for looking ahead as well. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that. And I, I like disagreeing with you. I know you do. I, I always that's why I always enjoy talking with you. <laughs> um, let's switch gears for a second. UConn leaves the AAC. Uh, on a podcast with Roy and I did, we, we both we asked, you know, who's the winner in that? And I said, you know what? I'm not sure anybody's a loser. I, I don't think I don't think the you got football's a loser. loser. Yeah, that's well, UConn football is the loser, but but they, I'm not sure they were ever going to be the winner anyway, no matter what they did. Um, but but really, I mean, I think it's a it's a win for the Big East. It's a win for UConn basketball fans because they get their rivalries back. I don't think it hurts the AAC basketball wise. I know UConn was going to probably do some good things, but I just I don't see the downside for, for the AAC, and there's one case where you might be able to disagree with me, so have at it. Um, it it's, I said this uh, when I was on with, with uh, I think with my answer, somebody. It, it hurts in perception. Like, the perception of, of losing UConn basketball because of, you know, four titles in the last 20 years and, and everything that comes with it, it hurts in perception. But, Skinny, when you get a new dent on your 2002 Nissan Sentra, your perception is already taking as right. many hits as it's going to take. Correct. So, Correct. you know, you get rid of their football, which is a good thing. Correct. I've seen some places that had them going into for 2019, had them ranked 130th. Oh, that's pretty bad because then you get how many teams are. They're not as 132. 130. They were last. They were absolutely dead last in FBS football. So losing them, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't change anything. They literally had the worst defense in the history of college football last year. Yep. They they didn't want to be there. So their fan base is very basketball-centric, which, I mean, they should be. They've, they've got more NCAA titles in the last 20 years than anybody else. 
Well, I've got more women's titles than anybody else in that time frame. Yeah, this was a basketball school that decided it wanted to get, go into big-time football. They were, even when they were doing good things in basketball back in the day, they were a one-double-A football program that finally right. elevated itself. So they haven't been a football power slash even, even high-profile Division One program for a long period of time. No, the problem is, boy, they got a lot of money sunk into that deal. That they do. Them figuring out what how they're going to handle because I don't think I don't think the football program is allowed to go away. I don't no. think they can kill it. Yeah, we were just discussing. You know, this is a UConn issue, not an AAC or UC issue any longer. But I, I wonder if they just don't have to go play a bunch of buy games to get themselves out from under because they're not getting a few independent. No other league wants them as a football only member. The AAC has kicked them out of that as well. Yeah. I, I don't know what they do. I really don't. It's their issue. It's their problem. Obviously, they have a plan in place, I would think, or they wouldn't have done this. Um, but, yeah, their football program is in a very, very tough state, for sure. I don't think they have a plan in place. Their their athletic director, two days, three days ago, was talking about staying, trying to stay in the American. Well, the commissioner of the American had something to say. Uh, yeah, and then Mike, Mike Resco came straight over the top, like, we are not interested in, in UConn without – having UConn, like, why under any circumstance would you allow, would you, UConn basketball leaves and you let their terrible football program park at the bottom of your conference? Yeah, and suck suck whatever money out. It's one less year you got to pay out for for, for football. Right. So, that's not an option. So, thankfully, Oresco addressed that and and addressed it pretty heavy-handedly and just said, you know, they're gone. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, they're UConn got what they wanted. And the American, outside of men's basketball taking a bit of a hit in perception, is still pretty much in the same spot that they were the day before UConn left. So I I don't think it's a huge deal. They haven't been good. And if they were rolling along and they were doing for the American what Villanova had been doing for the Big East or has been doing for the Big East, it would be a completely different ballgame. No doubt, but they haven't. I mean, but, I, I, think, I think of the American basketball now as UC and Houston and, to a smaller degree, SMU, and I'm feeling that this will be on the way back. That, that, and, and Wichita. That's and Wichita, feel, yeah. And that's what I think of the AAC. I, I would have put UConn sixth on the list of what I thought of the AAC before this move. You know who UConn's metrics have been about equal to over the last <laughs> four or five years? DePaul. Yeah, that's not good. DePaul. So, I, and I, this comes from someone I, I, I I'm, I'm friends with Danny Hurley. I love Danny Hurley. I can't wait to see Xavier fans' reaction to Danny Hurley because it's going to be hilarious. And I think they're going to be on an, a back on an upward trend. I think yeah, getting I, back I, in the Big East. And I think we all have agreed that if you be a guy that would do that, but as it sits today, it does not hurt the AAC. You're right. You know, I, I think in retrospect, when he if he gets them back rolling, that's where it might hurt. Is people will say, you know, look what could have been for the AAC or whatever. But as it stands right now, I, I just don't for, I don't see it as something that basically you're you've essentially taken a team that was the, the sixth place team on average over the last five years, four years, and and, and extracted them from the conference. Not a major deal. I don't, so, life will go on for everyone involved, I think. I agree. Hey, lastly, the, the NCAA um, changed its guidelines again for transfers. They kind of tightened the, the loopholes that allowed 
some guys to, to get waivers, and, and obviously, for some reason, some other guys did not. How much of that do you think is in reaction to, I don't want to say backlash about James Hudson, because I don't even know if it went all that national, but there was, there was certainly a level of backlash. It, it felt like this kind of came out of that. Somewhat. I think it came out of, more than anything, it came out of um, the, the two quarterbacks. Oh, no question. But, but then the inconsistencies that came after the two quarterbacks, I mean, they kind of yeah. said, okay, you guys can go. And then from that point forward, it was, yes, you can, no, you can't, for the same reason. And then, yes, you can, but no, you can't. And I can't give you the reason. It, it, it felt like they almost opened themselves up to too much of a loophole, and I guess that's what it is. Well, I think what happened is, there is so there's a, a lawyer. His name's Tom Ford, who specializes in this. And he was the lawyer for, for Fields. He was the lawyer for Tate Martell. Any of the, the big profile cases that got approved quickly. They got approved very quickly. This guy was the lawyer, and the NCAA basically just said with him, we're not even going to mess with it, because he had kind of mastered what those loopholes were. And now what the NCAA did is went back and tried to close those loopholes that he had been attacking. So that's what it is more than anything. The James, the James Hudson thing, I know everybody's going after the NCAA. I think that aim is a bit misguided. Yeah, no, you, you made the point early in the process that, that, that Michigan has Michigan is, more to blame. Yeah. Michigan is far more to blame. And so my, my honor with the NCAA is twice I've reached out to them to at least give me an answer, and I've gotten nothing but crickets. I think that's, that, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's chicken crap. I'm not allowed to say bad words on this no, podcast. I appreciate so. that. Chicken crap. Chicken yeah. poop. Yeah, However yeah. you want to – that's ridiculous that they're not answering, you know, for Everyone. decisions Everyone's that they've played. made. Yeah. Right. If you're going to make a decision, stand up and answer for your decision. Exactly right. If you want to give me the reason, I don't have to like the reason, but at least you gave me the reason and gave fans the reason, gave James Hudson the reason. It's yeah, they've right. said they the reason. Yeah. He wasn't mentally ill. He wasn't documented to have a mental illness soon enough for their guidelines. Yeah, which is which is nonsense. Which, if you read what the new rules say, basically translates to Michigan didn't help us by saying what was going on with him when he was there, which is what happened. I mean, that's a shame. Uh, that's a shame that Michigan would have that, that level of, of a final trade vendetta, but that level of, of callousness. That's just For a guy that wasn't going to be competing against them Correct. any longer. Correct. Correct. He left. UC doesn't play Michigan. They're not on the schedule. Nope. It's not yeah. happening. So yeah. sign off on it. Let it go. Exactly. It, it's not inside the conference. It's not on your schedule. Let it go. I, I'm telling you, and we'll see how this all plays out. Michigan is far more culpable than than anyone realizes in the situation with James Hudson. No, I hope somehow James Hudson gets a win out of this in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, I, gonna, unfortunately, I wish I did, Skinny, but I just don't have a great yeah, feeling. I think you're probably right. I don't have a great feeling with the way that, that this is trended with with this new stuff coming out and them, tra- you know, changing the wording on a bunch of stuff. It just feels like it's it's headed in the wrong direction, which stinks because. That is a kid that was battling depression and miserable when he got to the University of Cincinnati. Yep. And that is not the same kid I've seen this summer who was walking yeah. around with his teammates and smiling and laughing and feeling like he well, found a place that was the right fit for him. Exactly. That's what it yeah. should be about. 
well, I just go back to let them transfer, just open the transfer portal and let them go. Make it free yep. agency every year. You get one. That's I would be. That's what it should. You get one. Well, that's the minimum. Yeah, you, you get at least. You should get at least one. That, that should be at least the minimum. Everybody that's, makes a mistake in some way, shape, or form. If, if you want to transfer a second time and they want you to sit out a year, I, I don't have a terrible problem yeah. with that. I, I'm okay with opening up all the cold chat, but yeah, at the, at the minimum, it should be you get one free. Skinny, how many people across America transferred colleges? Uh, it, it's it's a high rate. I guarantee you. Were they not allowed? Were there were there were there parts of their college life that were taken away from them? Like it, you couldn't go out on Thursday nights because you're transfer from right. previous university. Like no, they don't they don't know and they don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like you're you're not allowed in the library this year because you transferred. Right. No, yeah. we're just going to take your money. Exactly. Cash the check and move on. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It it yep. it, it angers and upsets me. I, I had a lot of fun today. Did you see my my uh, my social media stuff? I did not. I've not been on today. Squat Fest 2019 this morning. Did you take part? I watched. I watched. watched. Okay. Yeah, okay, I. Your, I your, your quads would have exploded. I was gonna do one, um, but then I got up to the bar, and I realized there was 635 pounds on it, and I couldn't get it off the hook. Yeah, I was just saying your quads would have exploded at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun watching uh, the, the starting right guard, Morgan James, toss up 635 pounds a couple times. I, I'll tell you one thing, and, and it has been really interesting to watch how this has developed. Brady Collins, their, their director of athletic performance, I think is what they're called now. They're not they're, – because they are a lot more than strength and conditioning coaches. Like, what they're doing goes far beyond that. But – they have done an awesome job of creating a light at the end of every tunnel. So today was the last day before they're gone for a week for 4th of July. So every segment that they've got that they spend in the strength and conditioning program, that last day is something fun. Squat fest today. Squat fest uh, today. In the spring, they brought in the, the, the big obstacle courses, the inflatable obstacle courses. Remember, they had that video that they put out. Yes. There's always something where you bust your butt for, for this amount of time. We're going to do something at the end that you guys get to have fun. And then when it's done, you know, like today they had a catered breakfast that the guys went up and enjoyed. It, it, it's, it's been really cool to see that attention to detail from Luke Fickle all the way down. Luke was there today, had one of his sons with him. You know, just kind of out and about in the building. I I don't think the coaches are allowed actually, like in the the weight room, but around, just you know, high fiving guys as they were going back to upstairs to go to the the buffet or whatever. And I think that part of it, especially for eighteen to twenty two, twenty three year old guys, that's an important part of it that I think a lot of college programs miss. And I think it's just another way that they've created that culture in the program. Yeah, we're going to work hard, and then when we're done working hard, we're going to have a little bit of fun, and you guys go get to do whatever you want to do for a week or two or whatever the case may be. And that's how, that's how you build success in a program. That is. And, uh, Skinny, I, I've said this over and over again since Luke Fickle got here, and it, it was even more evident today. The look of the player in this program 
is completely different. It, it, oh, it's, it's remarkable. There's a, there's just looking at the freshmen. There are freshmen now that look like coming in day one that look like guys that were in year three, two and a half years ago. There's a defensive lineman they've got right now, skinny freshman, 18 years old, six foot six, like 255 pounds. They didn't get guys with that kind of size and athleticism when before this staff. And the staff has just been phenomenal at, at figuring it out. However, you have to get it done, figure it out, build the relationships, sell the kids on, on what's happening here. They put out a video yesterday uh, of, of where the kids live. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, it's it's a lot nicer than the dorms we lived in when we were in college. I uh, all, all of them are, though. Flat screens, granite countertops, like a big courtyard out in the middle for all the guys to hang out. Uh, it's it's walk-in closets, <laughs> individual bedrooms, like you're not bunking with somebody. I had a – when I was at my first year at Marshall, I bunked with a six foot three, two 240-pound linebacker at Marshall. Top bunk, bottom bunk in a, in a tiny little – it's not good. It's not good, brother. And I uh, – I know this is going to sound crazy, but I did not get choice of uh, which bed. Because uh, that just he was wasn't how. He, yeah, he, he, he was bigger. And he, and he was like a, a junior, sophomore or junior. He was a lot bigger. And fortunately, he spent a lot of time with his girlfriend off campus. So, But, yeah, I, the, the choice of the bunks, that wasn't like, hey, which one do you want? It was like, that one's mine. That one's yours. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Would you like me to carry your bags up from downstairs? Or you go find another roommate. No, he was really nice. Actually, it wasn't bad. He was a really good dude. But good stuff. it wasn't it wasn't my decision to make. Let's just put it that way. Exactly, Chad. I appreciate the time as always, brother. All right, talk to you soon. Make, make sure you catch his work on BearcatJournal.com. For Chad Benoit, Richard Skinner, this has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Chevrolet.